You know what's interesting about the title is the Expendables, but none of them yes, die. Maybe none of the guys are the actually expendable. Of, uh, the people who are expendable are the people they're murdering and the people they're fucking. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> we cracked the code. So goddamn funny. <laughs> What's up, Real Critics? It's your host here, Jose Garcia Chow, as always, and you're listening to Everyone's a Real Critic. If you're just tuning in here at EARC, John Wolf and I take a look at movies that have divided critics and audiences. We give you the Real Critics thoughts on the movies, we break down some critic and audience reviews, and we wrap it all up with our own overall score of the movie. But remember, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because everyone's a real critic. So let's get into it, John, my friend. My homie, my brother, my co-host. How are you doing today? What's going on, my guy? Just hanging out, you know? What's crazy is I was thinking, we've, we've been doing this for a year now, just grinding. Wild. It's been wild. It's flown by. But because of that, you know it's hot blockbuster summer, big boy. Um, so if you missed our last episode, which I know Oof. you didn't because... Because you were on the episode, so you definitely didn't miss the last one. That's right. But uh, for anyone else that did, definitely go back and listen wherever you can. It's on Transformers. It's great. It's wherever you get your podcast. And after you listen to it or before, make sure you tweet at us or tag us with your Autopotter Decepticon name um, at EARCpod on Twitter or on Instagram. What was what was your go-to Decepticon name? So I thought of some pretty good ones the other day that I tweeted. Uh, hot guzzler nice. hot box nice um a lot of hot i kind of like hot box the most hot box okay yeah a lot of hot <laughs> a lot of hot i like it hot box is good i think i relate to hot box a lot more because it's both a sexual innuendo mm. and uh something that's like marijuana related what kind of vehicle you know, would hot box be? applies to a description of myself as well yeah Huh? What kind of vehicle? In my it? case, it'd be a 92 Camry. Oh, hell yeah. With like the muffler kind of hanging off the back. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. A white 92 Camry. And there's like a bump in the wheel, yeah. kind of like how mine was, remember? So like every time that you hit over 50 miles an hour, the whole car starts shaking. <laughs> That's a hot box. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week... We're sticking with our our blockbusters, our our big boy summer, um, and there's a lot of big boys in this one. We're gonna be seeing who big got it sweaty right. Sweaty boy <laughs> summer. A lot. Of, I think it's a hot summer, dude. I think of the movie budget of this movie. Ninety nine percent of it was spent on oil because uh, these guys were lubed up and ready to go. Uh, that's right. <laughs> They're so lubed up. We're gonna be talking about one of the beefiest movies of 2010 the expendables which got a 42 percent critic score and a 60 for 64 percent audience score i'm pumped literally like pun intended i'm pumped to talk expendables today oh dude dude there i'm is... so pumped that my veins are popping out of my arms oh, dude you have to man you have to i mean like <laughs> this movie when people think about masculinity this is definitely top on the list I mean, there's so much blood. 
There's uh-huh. so much oil. There's so many steroids and such bad CGI. There's even cauliflower ear. There is, dude. There's cauliflower ear. There's uh, tattooing with no sanitation. No. There's knives constantly being thrown. It's just yeah. uh, Hot Boy Summer. It's a Hot Boy. This is the movie that set Hot Boy Summer on the map. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Um, but before we throw our critical <laughs> knives, Hail Caesar, at the Expendables, uh, let us help you navigate the streams um, and figure out what's really good or really bad on what you're watching. Yeah, man. So, uh, what you been watching? Dude, John, I've been watching, like, so much trash TV lately. Just like... Oh, I love it. Like, what kind? I know. I, I, I've, I've, in the past year, because I've talked about this in the past year, I can't believe we've been doing this for a year, but, um, I've really come to embrace reality TV. So I've been watching, like, The okay. Ultimatum on Netflix. Have you heard of this? I've heard. I've I've heard of it, um, but I've never watched it. It's it's such a hot mess. It's incredible. It's so great. Okay. It's the worst. What's the thing premise for anyone world. that hasn't seen it? So the premise is basically five Nick Lachey and his wife, whose name I can never remember, uh, take five couples. Yep. And all of these couples, one person in the couple has issued an ultimatum to the other. That is, um, you we need to get married or i am leaving you basically uh and so all five of these couples uh, uh, the basis of any healthy relationship absolutely yeah. uh, just air air your dirty laundry out for everybody yeah. to see as well yeah, as sure. just not commuting at all what your partner needs <laughs> mm-hmm. so amen these five couples all agree to be on this show and basically on the show they all break up and then start dating each other for and then nice. for like a few days or something. And after a few days, each one, each person chooses who they want to be coupled up with for three weeks. And it can't be their original couple that they came into it with. And they go through a trial marriage and then they live with the couple, their with original the couple for three more weeks after that. And then basically at the end of the show, you have to choose who do you want to be with? You know, the couple that the your partner that you came here with or your brand new partner that you've only known for three weeks. <laughs> it's crazy. That's incredible. <laughs> it's so. Dumb. So you either have to choose this one person you've known for three weeks or this other person that gave you an ultimate. Yes. But also this other person that you've dated for like two years, three years, like a person that you actually right. like and love or actively despise because you're a horrible couple or probably don't <laughs> yeah because you're on the yeah. show yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as you can imagine it's all right. ridiculous but something about this stuff just like rips to into the core of i feel like humanity <laughs> like that piece of everybody that just wants to people watch and talk shit and criticize insane people yeah it's so yeah. great yeah the i've I've watched uh, Love is Blind, both seasons. 
Okay. And I got to admit, like, there's something about it, like you said. You, you feel like you shouldn't be liking this, but at the same time, you sort of can't look away. Yeah. Because so much is just weird stuff. And my problem is sometimes with those shows, I get really aggravated by how silly some of the decision making is. Absolutely. I'm frustrated. I'm mad, but I keep watching. I can't look know? away. I can't, and I, I can't stop. And I'm laughing and I'm actively like my jaw is dropping on the floor when people just the dumb stuff yeah. that they'll do. I love it. it but it, it makes me feel gross. It's like it's like eating a McDonald's McDouble. It's just it's guilty pleasures. Nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah. Exactly. It's eighty. You know, whatever it is now, a dollar twenty-five. What? I know I'm gonna hate 25? myself after I do this. Do you think it's nineteen fifty still? Well, they used to be a dollar. Uh, what a McDouble or something? Yeah. Is there no more dollar menu? I thought it was like the dollar twenty-five menu. They still call it the dollar menu, but I guess dollar is plural now. Dollars menu. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. So it's sort of like no, they don't put the S. They've just slowly raised the prices. Uh, it's like the, the dollars dollar. tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whatever. You get the point. You go to the Dollar Tree now, and like a tiny little plastic trash can costs you five bucks. <laughs> and you're like, this isn't the Dollar Tree I know. It's the ten dollar and under tree. You know. Yeah. It's, it's the, like uh, a dollar asterisk inflation <laughs> tree. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. It's the inflation. <laughs> That's interesting that you brought that up because I every time I log into HBO now, I get hit over the head with this new show called F Boy Island, and the picture is just a bunch of people in bikinis and have oh. six packs. I have no idea what it's about. I've watched like three episodes. How is it? <laughs> sell me on it. I need you to sell us. Is it really good or really I hate bad? To say that I've watched it. Sell us on it. What's it's what's been good. like? What is the highest? Give us the highest of the high from F Boy Island. Oh, I can't. It's it's go watch it. <laughs> Just watch it. John. Wow, it's crazy. that's a hell of a sell job. Do you know the premise? I know. I'm so sorry, but do you know the premise of the show? No clue. Basically, they get 26, uh, 26 men, mm -hmm. <laughs> all cis hetero men, okay. and they're all ripped, and um, they get they they get three women. Okay. Okay, and the three women have to date all of these men at once in conjunction, right? But of the twenty-six men, thirteen of them are self-proclaimed fuckboys. Oh. And thirteen are self-proclaimed nice guys. Okay. And they actually use that kind of terminology. Okay. So you can just imagine what kind of people these are. Would you be an F boy yeah. or a nice guy? Ah. <sighs> I don't know. Also, what what qualifies what traits? I think the like, thing what is, distinguishes a nice guy from if an you calling yourself a nice guy, in my opinion, you're probably a fuckboy. So I think that all twenty six <laughs> right. people on the island are actually fuckboys. <laughs> also, you kind of have to be an f boy to go on this yeah, kind of show, right? But like, what are the top three characteristics of an f boy? Of an I don't know, probably bad communication, uh, narcissism, narcissism, and uh, treating women like objects. Okay, that's fair. Look, and hey, to any F-boys that are listening right now or self-proclaimed F-boys, this is not an attack yeah. at you. We really do want to know. Let us know. What makes you How's the Let Joe Rogan podcast going? At I <laughs> haven't listened to that yeah, for a while. How much else so. meat do you eat in a year? <laughs> yeah. But you've have you done MDMA? It's life changing. 
I actually um, have a terminal disease and then just went on an MDMA and elk meat diet. And wow, that's I'm incredible. I'm 200 now. That's what the doctor told me. He's not a real doctor, but he calls himself Doc. So, yeah, it was it was chill. It was chill. <laughs> John, have you been watching anything else? Have I been watching anything? You know what's interesting? Um, I I haven't watched too much. I did watch Chris Pratt's new Amazon Prime show, The Terminalist, mm-hmm. and boy, did it start off hot and it really cooled down towards oh, the end. Oh no! There was a lot that was there. They had a lot to play with. It's kind of like The Expendables, to be honest. They had a lot to play with, and um, it just fell a little short. I think they made this. They really hyped up this list he had to go after. And they made one of the people on the list seem like a really big, like a big get. Like that was going to be the season to go after. And then he gets them. And in a very, I mean, I won't say anticlimactic because it was wild the way the guy dies. But the guy dies. And then it was just like, eh, that's it. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> I mean, the name of the show is Terminal List. Oh, true. Okay. Yeah, we're okay. not talking like an airplane terminal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's just like more all these terminals. It just seems like this list is never ending, and so it, it it was hard to like you know where are we going with this? So does he, so he's an he's an assassin. No, he was he's a navy a navy man, and uh, you know things go wrong. He's sent on a bad mission. Okay, okay. And he's he's okay, ready for revenge. You know? But it, so it, is it, it worth like, watching, you think? I mean, in pieces, for sure. Like, if you have nothing to do, you know? Like watching, like, best of clips on YouTube? Yeah, instead <laughs> of watching 100 best of clips on YouTube, maybe just watch one of these episodes. But it reminds me of almost... It makes you really appreciate a movie like John Wick, where... You're like, wow, the premise seems so silly, but the way that the story unfolds and goes about, it really starts to make sense yeah. and I can follow and everything in this movie makes sense and is leading to something. It makes those movies feel a lot more special. Yeah. The genius thing about John Wick though is how simple it is and it right. doesn't go outside of it right. or try or go out of its way to like explain everything to you. It's just right. like What's the premise? This guy's a retired assassin. What happens? They kill the dog that his wife got him. So he goes on a murder spree. (laughs) That's it. You know? Um, And like the problem with those shows is like sometimes they get caught up in the details. I feel like when you define too much for the audience, you might end up giving them more questions, you know, which is hilarious because this other show I've been watching on HBO is called The Rehearsal. And it's basically about Nathan Fielder. Uh, trying to answer all of a person's questions before they happen. So basically he like (laughs) tries to help somebody who's been avoiding something by having them rehearse any possible outcome of that situation. And the lengths he goes to is absolutely insane. Like he finds this guy in the first episode who is scared of confronting his friend about something so he mm-hmm. goes, okay, we're going to confront her at a bar. And we're go- And Nathan builds an exact replica of the bar, hires actors for him to like walk in and pretend to have the situation too. And like just the lengths that he goes to is absolutely insane. Have you ever seen like Nathan for you or any of those shows? Yeah, yeah, I have. 
Oh, so you can just so imagine. I can, I can kind of, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. It's very dry and very, like, matter-of-fact about everything that happens where you really have to be in on the joke. Otherwise, it just seems so absurd. And it is absurd. That's, I, that's like, dumb. the point. But the fact that he does it to, like, real yeah. people, he manipulates <laughs> real people to do these things is yeah. an added layer to that because it's unbelievable it's crazy yeah it's almost like one of the uh, i think you should leave is a similar concept yeah. even though it's all actors but it's just so over the top and you have to be in on that you have to understand that this is where it's going um in order like the joke itself is like this yeah. bit but everything that's around it is huge <laughs> i mean you just have to be real you have to be ready for it absolutely I love it. I actually, um, it reminded me that, and maybe I'm going to say a lot about myself right now, maybe too much, you know, because you can really tell a lot of someone um, by the shows that they watch, especially when, you know, you're winding down for bed or you just have free time and you you have a go-to show. I had just been bored and didn't have anything that I needed, just passive on the background. So I started putting on Impractical Jokers again. Mm -hmm. Man, that is a show that is, it just makes me <laughs> laugh. I mean, there are some skits that don't age well and some jokes that just don't really age well. But again, it's so dumb and people just can, I like often find myself being like, wow, if I was talking to someone in a supermarket and they said those things to me, yeah, I, I would, would react. Like, I would never go along with what they're doing. It's wild. It like those shows kind of show like um like how simple it is to trick a person sometimes. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of us like it's you know cling onto social norms and when somebody does something that's outside of that, you will continue to cling onto those social norms for as long as you can. Like you don't people like in public don't know how to act. Don't feel comfortable uh, you know, reacting to things the same as you would, you know, like in your head or when you're watching TV. I agree. I would also <laughs> say that social norms are an important thing um, because there's a reason things are the way they are. Like I, I was on um, an airplane the other day, few, like a few days ago, and there was a small child old enough to know better, oh. just like kept kicking the back of my seat and like screaming. And, you know, I can't turn around and say anything because, you know, I'm a very frightening person. I don't want to scare the child. And I think you should leave. He would turn around and start like yelling at the child. Yeah. And just scream at the kid. Yeah. But it's just like, come on. Like you're old enough. You can't be doing that. I think we should break some social norms. Some social norms should be broken. That is that one of them? Yeah. You should be allowed to turn around and just yell at a kid. Quick sec. Like, can we take a look around here? Your kid, you and your kid aren't the only people here. It'd be really cool if you you could get that kid to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just hold his legs? Yeah, like that's it. Like I I, I know we're going on a trip. You probably have some socks in your suitcase. Can you just take some of those and just stick them in his mouth so he can just shut the fuck up? for the rest of the ride. That'd be really great. I'm sure we've got tape on board. I'm willing to go to these lengths to get that sh kid to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what? I think that I would be petty enough that I would just get up. What I should have done is get up and go to the person sitting behind 
and be like, hey, can we switch seats? And then just <laughs> yeah. kick the shit out of that kid's chair. Just totally go yeah. nuts on it. I mean, like this kid's going to have whiplash by the time he lands. And then he'll never <laughs> Or you could be like Will Forte and again. I think you should leave and stalk the kid <laughs> until he's an adult. Yeah, and just squeeze. <laughs> and Forever. cry right in his yeah. face. <laughs> uh that's so good i should i should <laughs> speaking of planes john uh should we board our plane with our mercenary buddies uh bomb a couple of you know run-of-the-mill spanish-looking commies and uh take a little joyride to the little fake country of valina is that where they go valina valina something like that anyways well, Something yeah, like let's that. do it. Let's get Sylvester like Stallone. Let's, do it, let's get him a cigar and a beer and have him pilot us to the Expendables land. God, isn't that crazy that he just uh that he actually like drunk pilots in this movie? He's just out there like you know, piloting a plane ain't shit. I can just Yeah. This movie <laughs> doesn't really give a lot of F's. <laughs> this is what piloting a plane looks like. <laughs> this is just how we pilot here. Uh, man, you know, it's autopilot. It's, no big deal. it's autopilot. Who cares? Who cares? So we, we mentioned before, we're talking Expendables 2010, the first of, uh, of many in this series. But don't worry, we're not going to treat this as a, as a twilight. We're not going to be talking about any more of these, hopefully, ever. Well, hey. Probably not. Come on. So The Expendables never say never. came out 2010, 42% critic score, 64 audience score. And let me just give you a brief you know, overview of what we're going to be talking about. Mercenary leader Barney Ross, who's played by Sylvester Stallone. And his loyal men, his merry men, some might call, take on what they think is a routine assignment, a covert operation to invade the South American country of Valina and overthrow its dictator. But when they learn the job will be a suicide mission, they must choose redemption or the destruction of their brotherhood. What's crazy about this, just like first thoughts hearing that, I had no idea that any of these people had names in the movie. Because I don't think they ever <laughs> But anyway. They, they say their names, but they have like weird covert names. Yeah. They're named like uh, like police academy characters. Yeah, sort like of. That's Hightower, and that's Short Stack, and that over there is... Ding Dong. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. That's Big Boom. He's the guy with the guns. Yeah. I remember booting this movie up and thinking, uh, man, I remember it being so much fun. But I, I got to admit, I don't think I've seen this movie up until the other day uh, since I was a teenager. Yeah, that might be that might mean, you know, you didn't really think about it back then. <laughs> back then, this just like, again, I'm like, there's then. my favorite character, Big Boom. He's got big guns, big <laughs> guns, pun. I'm talking about his arms and, and they also go boom. huge guns <laughs> as in the weapons. And they go nice. boom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do remember when this movie came out and being stoked. 
I grew up watching all of the movies that these guys were in. I loved Jet Li movies. I loved Sylvester Stallone movies. And I remember, you know, there was the feud between Stallone and, Sch- and Schwarzenegger. So having them on the screen at the same time was something that to my, what, this came out in 2010? To my, yeah, teenage ass was awesome. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to see Schwarzenegger in the same room as Stallone. I hope they fight. <laughs> but so, so I was stoked about all of that because it was like. Your teenage ass was loving that. Huh? Oh, yeah. I just liked, again, we've talked about it before, like big sweaty dudes with abs just beating the crap out of each other. I'm in. I grew up watching those insane like action Hell blockbusters yeah. of the 80s. And this was that with the added bonus that they are now all geriatric. <laughs> so I'm in. <laughs> the crazy thing is that this is the first of many geriatric yeah. Uh, yeah. buddy movies. I was going to say a different word, but I'm glad I did that. Anyway, so this movie, directed by none other than its star, Sylvester Stallone also was a screenwriter in this movie. And some might remember some of his beautifully uh, screenwritten movies, such as Rambo. Hell yeah. uh, Such as Creed, Rocky. He co-wrote this movie, uh, screenwriter, with a gentleman named David Callahan. Does that that name sound familiar to you? Uh, Just remind me anyways, John. (laughs) Well, it wasn't familiar to me until I looked. So he wrote... The Expendables, was a screenwriter on The Expendables, and then also was a screenwriter on Wonder Woman. Oh, interesting. Also Shang-Chi, and is the screenwriter for the next two Spider-Man movies, Across the Spider-Verse and Beyond the Spider-Verse. So this guy has like, the spectrum of quality for David Callahan is literally zero to a hundred. But all right, all right. Let's just uh, let's get into the real rundown now. All right, that that, that sounds good. You want me to? Uh, you know, I'll I'll get into it this time. Okay. I feel like, yeah, I'll explain it after I read it. <laughs> Barney Ross, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, Lee Christmas, Jason Statham, Yin Yang, man, say that. Jet Li, Hail Caesar, Terry Crews, Toll Road, Randy Couture, and Gunner, Dolph Lundgren are on a stealth mission to free some hostages from Somali pirates when Gunner blows the stealth by using a shotgun to completely dismember one of the bad guys. Then a knife-throwing contest erupts as the Expendables quickly take out all of the bad guys. Barney scolds Gunner for almost, one, completely blowing, literally blowing the mission, and two, trying to hang one of the Somali pirates and decides to handcuff him and throw him in the plane. On the cargo plane, on the way home, Gunner and Barney have a little heart-to-heart, and Barney decides that Gunner has learned his lesson and uh, lets him free. Right after that, Lee visits an old love interest that has moved on physically, but emotionally, she just can't get over him. At the same time, Barney meets up with Tool, Mickey Rourke, at his tattoo shop uh, and gets information on his next job, which leads him to go and talk to Mr. Church, who is played by Bruce Willis, who debriefs Barney and... In walks Trench, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, who is on a potential job. Yeah, Trench Mouse. So Mr. Church debriefs both of them on a potential job to help free the people of Valina. (laughs) Not sure. (laughs) Uh, 
Trench is like Trench and Barney barb at each other. Clearly, they have a history back in the day. They give each other a couple barbs, and uh, Trench decides eh, he doesn't want the job anymore. Barney gets the gang together to fill them in on the next mission that promises to be a huge payday. The Expendables head to the village of Felina and meet the contact, who is, co- of course, a beautiful woman, Sandra, who is played by Giselle Etie. <laughs> the journey with Sandra is briefly interrupted when the Expendables see Payne, who is played by St- Stone Cold Steve Austin, flip over a few fruit stands, instilling fear in the people of Felina. <laughs> On a farm somewhere, we meet James Monroe, who's played by Eric Roberts, who is a disa- who is dissatisfied with the production of his cocoa farm and gives off real bad guy energy when he sparks some mm-hmm. tension with the general. Barney and Lee are on this mission with Sandra a little bit too long, and Barney starts to think she's setting them up. She convinces them otherwise somehow, and just as she does that, an entire army shows up, which to me probably would continue to mean set up doesn't matter. Lee just throws a bunch of knives at an entire army of people wearing having guns. They somehow and, uh, get away. Get yeah, they somehow get away. After that. Two guys, uh, after, a whole army. Yeah, two guys, not yeah. armed. After that, Barney and Lee take out, um, you know, as we mentioned, the entire armed army. They start in a little car chase to get out of town. The two of them finally make it to their plane where they could easily escape. But instead... They turn the plane around to, quote, unquote, fry or die and start unloading bullets on the army that's on the dock, releasing gas all over them and light it up by shooting a flare at them. Yeah, they just (laughs) after that, the Expendables call literally uh, after the mayhem, the people of (laughs) Valina after the mayhem, uh, the super bad energy guy Monroe confronts a general as to how this could happen on his own turf. Uh, and he's like, you know what? Don't care. Brought in some extra help to get the job done. Gunner. Yeah. So now. He's a loose cannon. Uh, he is a loose we, cannon right here. He's like, I'll kill you, Stone Cold Steve Gunner. Austin. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So at this time, um, Barney learns that Mr. Church works for the CIA and the job was a government. Uh, it's a government job to take down former CIA or gone rogue Monroe. After learning the government is involved, Barney decides, you know what, I'm out. Uh, at the same time, Lee goes uh, <laughs> back to his love interest, Lacey, uh, and notice that she um, is being physically abused I by lo- her new boyfriend. I'm sorry. So I just have then- to comment, John, that I love that he's like willing to murder people, right? But he's like, but not if it's for the U.S. government. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> we'll get there. He's we'll like, I'm there. an ethical murderer. Uh, so Lee decides to go beat the hell out of the boyfriend during a pickup basketball game um, in which none of his friends really help him out. And it was a total miss because he didn't even get a good basketball pun in. Um, Barney, conflicted by stepping away from the job, visits his friend and part-time sage, Tool. <laughs> Tool hits him with one of the deepest monologues in action movie history, convincing Barney that he should be fighting for more than himself. Armed with this eureka moment, Barney decides, you know what? I'm going to get the gang back together and save Sandra from her terrible situation. Mm-hmm. Classic yep. man move. Angel Barney lets the rest of the Expendables know he's going back, and they all join. Just as the crew is back in, Gunner catches up with them, and we get another car chase. The chase makes its way into an abandoned warehouse 
where Yin and Gunner get into it, trading punches. When Gunner looks like he's about to finally end Yin Yang's life, Barney comes in just in the nick of time and shoots him right through the chest. Just before Barney leaves Gunner, laying on the ground, alone, Gunner spills all of the information on how to get Sandra back. The expendable their way to Valina and get ready to storm the compound of the general. Monroe kills the general because he's too weak to. Um, <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. The Expendables storm the compound and we get a full scale shootout until the Expendables save Sandra, kill Monroe, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, saving the day. The Expendables head home to blow off some steam and drink a few beers at Tool's Tattoo Shop, bring in the knife throwing competition to full circle, a few action hero puns. The boys are back in town, Needle Drop. Wild. And that is the expendable. Wild. You know, so let's a get tale into it, man. oldest time, John. The damsel in distress. Couldn't yeah. choose something a little yeah. less problematic or anything. Yeah. Love that none of the expendables are it. women. Totally cool. <laughs> well, they can't be. Yeah. Why? Because if the expendables were women, who would save the women? doesn't make any sense to me you're right in this universe <laughs> the only sweaty beefy beefy dudes are are dudes you can't have can't have any of the uh yeah. the ladies yeah man so let's uh let's get into it from the top uh right away and we were joking like right away you get to see a bunch <laughs> yeah. of dudes on their choppers i love using chopper because it yeah. feels right for the moment <laughs> in this movie <laughs> Yeah, they don't call them like motorcycles or no. These are choppas, baby. Hogs, wild hogs, another great movie. Hogs. <laughs> they are. They're definitely hogs. <laughs> it made yeah. me think right away if like because I had no idea that these were the Expendables. I thought they were the people from Twilight, the like uh, Ravenous <laughs> Five or whatever we called them. The, yeah, the that Fab roaming five. gang of of uh, yeah. dangerous criminals that. You know, it stalk been the them. streets of of, uh, of Forks, Washington. <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize though that that was them. No, me neither. Yeah, because we see choppers just like cross the street, and then we cut to Somali pirates. <laughs> Quick, yeah. So, what did you think about that first? Uh, it was. It was we got to the action. Yeah, we got to the action. What do you think Very of the quick. pirate uh, hostage So, like, I love that these movies have to establish bad guys is the first thing I thought. You know, like, and you do it by doing the yeah. opposite of Saves the Cat, yeah. just like we talked about in, like, Crimes of Grindelwald. You know, like, he murders a baby. These are pirates who have, like, human prisoners, so their lives don't matter, you know? And then the guys show up and right. uh, confront them. And it is... It is crazy because <laughs> to them, like it, it establishes very quickly that the guys in this situation can be just casual. They're like, yep, yeah, pretty serious situation. They got a gun to the hostage's head, but like we'll continue to just joke around with each other. <laughs> like totally no big deal. Bullets are faster yeah. than knives. And he's like, we'll see about that. <laughs> Exactly. We're going to, this is a very uh-huh. serious situation. People's lives are in danger. Hey, what do you think? I can throw this knife faster or you can shoot him faster? Yeah. Which one? Doesn't matter. Huh? Warning shot. <laughs> <laughs> Gunner just throws like. <laughs> that was wild. Just, just fucking halves a man. 
And yeah, with a yeah, that was insane. When that happened, completely I had, missing the the hostage. Yeah, well, duh. I mean, the aim is that good. But I, when that happened and the guy's body just came apart and just splattered everywhere, I was like, oh my god, it's one of these movies. Oh, big uh-huh. time. This is what we're in for. Yeah. It's telling you very quickly. This is what you're gonna be seeing. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> People are just shooting just targets. Immediately sets the expectation. Yeah, they are. Objects. And what I love also about this scene is because, like, what the movie's doing here is like, oh, we're establishing these guys as like really good at what they do. These guys are pros, right? They take out the lights mm-hmm. and then uh, they put on their little night vision goggles Please? and then they just start taking them all out, like, like it's you know, like another day on the job. This is just my prep work before service. Um, but during those scenes, too. <laughs> Like it's trying to say that they're very precise, mm-hmm. but then every time it cuts to the actors, they're just spraying <laughs> yeah. bullets. Yeah. Like as if they're watering their garden, just <laughs> and then it cuts to the victims and it's only taking out the bad. Guys. <laughs> it, makes, it makes no sense. It's like, it's like awesome. It's perfect because the movie does that constantly. Like when they're driving, they're straight up driving like this. Like yeah. they're just moving their heads back and forth and the car is going straight or the plane is going straight. Do you do you think do you think that's because Sylvester Stallone lives in a world where he doesn't actually drive and so he they're just like, "Yeah, pretend you're like you're driving." And he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god. I've never like, I've never like- driven before." <laughs> That was my Sylvester. That's really good. Oh, that was And he's just like, um. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? In real life, I have drivers. It's horrible, Sylvester. Yeah, that was bad. Um, Oh, yeah. I totally agree with you that. With those guys. Yeah. I totally agree that from the beginning, everything just looks so fake in this movie. I mean, it, even from like the point that they're so oiled up all the time, like they're so greasy in the whole movie mm-hmm. and just like the lasers looked really fake in the beginning when they're pointing the laser at the guy. <laughs> it just like it, it just Stallone's mustache looks fake in the beginning. What it is with like Stallone's forgot. mustache? I think he showed up day one and shaved by accident and they were like, no, you're supposed mm-hmm. to have a goatee. And he's like, oh. And then they just glued one. It's okay, on we'll just face. pencil okay. one in. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird yeah. because like the stash is so close to his lips, but so far mm. from his nose. So it's mm-hmm. like such a deliberate effort to get it yeah. to look that way. Like it's on purpose. <laughs> well, I think it's you because know, if you get if you get the marker too close to the nose, you don't want to be smelling sharpie all the time. So you you just keep it closer to the lip, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably was making him sneeze too much. Yeah. We don't want him to be huffing Sharpie the whole time either. Like, that can't be good right. for 70 yeah. year old Stallone, whose body is clearly a temple at this point. Like, <laughs> this man, <laughs> I don't think he consumes any carbs. <laughs> yeah. How does he look so fucking. His arms look insane. They look like the arms in that episode of SpongeBob when, like, he's just like blowing them up, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Or that Ludacris video. Have you seen Ludacris's Get Back? Yeah, I have. It's like him taking a piss, yeah. but his arms are massive, yeah. and some guys talking to him the whole time. So he's just like, whoop whoop, get back, 
Yeah, I mean, and then like, I, I also got the feeling like early on that maybe, I mean, this was before, before iPhones, right around the time of iPhones, I, maybe. 2010, um, so we had iPhones, but they were still like, the, ca- the camera had like was three megapixels on it, you know? Yeah, but it, it felt like this movie was being filmed with an iPhone. The, I got, there were some points in the movie where I got dizzy watching these action sequences because the cuts are so harsh and you're so close up on the action yeah and it, it's just like the person holding it feels like they were standing there too or getting punched so yeah the camera's moving everywhere at the same it's, time and they're it cut was, so fast oh. so you can't even like enjoy choreography at all so fast. it's just like you have no idea hit, what's going hit on cut, hit cut hit cut hit cut you know it's it's crazy which like i would have loved the idea of I, I, I love the idea of Gunner, Dolph Lundgren's character, fighting Jet Li's character, whose name I refuse to say. I'm not going to say it at all. It's so fucking racist. But that sounds cool in my head, you know? Like, dude, imagine this. Dolph Lundgren fighting Jet Li. Sure, I'm in. And it happens so yeah. early in this movie. And because of the cuts and the way it's shot, you can barely enjoy it. And uh, Jet Li gets his ass kicked also, which would not happen. A little bit. He, he, mm-hmm. he, he gives some out. But there also, I was kind of hoping to your point, like, I'm sure this movie was pitched like, hey, we're going to get every old action star mm-hmm. on the planet. We're going to team them up. Oh, and yeah. they're going to fight some baddies. What I would have liked is more like I know Stone Cold Steve Austin was on the other side, but I would have loved to have them more opposite each other. So we could have oh yeah like what you're talking about a little bit more like Stallone mm-hmm. and Statham fighting yeah each like other. even up the sides yeah. a little bit. No, but but to, but I'm jumping to, at I'm jumping at to your point like because we put them all on one side, then it feels like they're just fighting like these. Uh, paper soldiers yeah it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter it's not like fast and furious where they're like we're gonna get one heavy hitter versus another heavy hitter which is always vin diesel but then it feels like there the yeah. law of ninjutsu he knows makes more sense have you heard of the concert the law of the who? conservation of Bless ninjutsu you. have you ever heard of that no i haven't so no it's like a, tell us tell us yes yeah, so, uh educate so us. the conservation of ninjutsu is a trope in action movies that basically is like in any fight there is a finite amount of you know fighting ability in this case they call it like ninjutsu available to each side basically one guy can be just as much of a threat as 50 guys you know it's like always balanced so it's like one guy is hugely deadly but he's versus 50 dudes who just turn out to be cannon fodder at that point. Does that make sense? No, but it does uh, happen (laughs) a lot in in movies and TV shows. Yeah. It's, it's basically why in movies when one guy is fighting like 50 people, it seems like he could take them all on no problem. But if you think about it a little closely, there's like guys that are just like waiting to waiting to get in there at just the right time. Like that fight in star Wars where Ray and, kylo ren are fighting the red the red guard guys mm-hmm. uh and and like sometimes you see some of them just standing in the back <laughs> like waiting for their turn to get a shot in yeah <laughs> because it has to be even go. you know <clears throat> right yeah which happens and now it's my turn Woo. 
Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right after we get uh, this beginning battle scene, sort of where we learn that Gunner is a complete loose cannon. Yeah. Uh, because he tries to hang one of the Somali pirates. And as you mentioned, this is where we learn the expendables have morals and they live by a moral compass. Yeah. Because they can blast the hell out of these guys, throw knives in their throats, completely sever them in half with guns and kicks. But when it comes to hanging one of these guys, whoa, you can't be sending that guy. That's of over the line. Yeah. You know, you can't do that, yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Agreed. So, <laughs> so your role. They like um, cut to the dialogue. So, they like cut to the guys and they say one line and they're like, "Whoa, that's not cool." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you can't yeah. do that. And then he's like, "My favorite is like uh, Dolph Lundgren." You know, they they tie him up in zip ties, throw him on the plane to bring him back because of his unacceptable. He's essentially in timeout. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Barney, Sylvester Stallone walks up to him and he's like, are we good, man? Yeah. And then No, Sylvester Stallone like, is Christmas. Yeah, we're good. And he's like, I'm sorry. No, Statham is Christmas. Statham's mm-hmm. Christmas. Sorry. He's like, are we good? And he's like, yeah, we're good. And then they just, boom, unclip the zip ties. He's good to go. Yeah. <clears throat> that was it. Go, no problem. Um, you know, you get a quick timeout for trying to hang a guy, but you got your, you know, you learned your lesson. So we'll unclip you now. I will say of this setup, though, of Dolph Lundgren, this is one of the only characters in the entire movie that at least has some kind of arc. <laughs> Arc his him. arc is that yeah. he like there's... tries to kill a guy. He gets put on. Well, time I off. didn't. I, I didn't want to say arc because it's it, kind yeah, of it like. Doesn't... It's kind of. I mean, the there's wave. definitely change in the character, quote unquote, but it doesn't involve him. It doesn't involve him yeah. like be confronting his own demons. It involves him getting shot in the chest by <laughs> Sylvester Stallone <laughs> for him to be like, you know what? Maybe I was. Uh, yeah. mistaken with my previous uh, I was a little harsh was I was taking harsh. a lot of drugs because I they established that he's a junkie too <laughs> but you know sorry team can yeah. I hang out at tools with yeah. you guys again <laughs> and he's just like wrapped up he's got a big bandage <laughs> this is though an apt yeah. metaphor for probably like cis hetero male relationships or you don't really talk about the problems. No, you just put a bandaid <laughs> on. You're just like, hey, I I would have kicked your ass though. Give <laughs> it gently. Are we good? You know, I would have definitely won that fight. And they're like, yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> no problem. No harm. You want to talk about foul. that? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> nah, we're good. Nah, uh, we're good. We're just gonna bury it and uh, let it explode next time we fight. Speaking of big uh, emotional issues, right after we sort of get the setup of <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, Lee Christmas, uh, Jason Statham, goes back home to his love interest and uh, quickly finds out that she has moved on to a new man because it's been yeah. months, years How since long he's is, contacted her. And he and he's confused by the fact that she moved on after not talking to her for months or years. Yeah. Um, but clearly, she she's only moved on physically, because emotionally, 
you just can't there's no other lee christmas you just <laughs> yeah you can't bring that kind of desire that heat <laughs> not like jason statham i like the way he takes it too he's just like wow no. you're making a mistake <laughs> it's like this guy he's no good yeah. <laughs> but also did it seem like the guy was living there how long was he gone right He's like living there. He's like, who the hell is that? It had to be Who's at the door over there? I think she mentions, she mentions that it's been, it's been enough time. And then I also love the line that comes right after all of that. I don't, I think it was Lee Christmas says this, or maybe not. But this movie was definitely written by Sylvester Stallone. And I would love to just listen to him talk about society Ooh. for a little bit. Because uh, there is such a detachment yeah. from reality. Um, when he goes and visits Tool right after Jason Statham is here. And it's just like, uh, you know, there's you get the scene of like this woman who, fair enough, lives her own life and can move on after some during months or years. We get to tools at two shop, and there's just like this young blonde woman uh, hanging out with Mickey Rourke, who's probably <laughs> oh like seventy God. at the time. Yeah. And then he just like, <laughs> yeah. There's just like it's what all is... old dudes and these hot chicks that desperately no. want them. Like they can't get away from them. And then the line that Tool gives, Dude. where he's like. I don't want to die for a woman. Crazy. I want to die laying next I love before that, like, when he tells the woman, he's like, he's basically like, hey, um, hey, hey, sugar, how about you go get me one of them cheap martinis upstairs, you know? And she's like, anything for you. And then he smacks her ass. (laughs) And she walks away. And he's like, huh, I think she has a crush on me. And so it's like, just like the last 50 of them. Like, what? Like these women are also expendable to them. <laughs> like, yeah, but maybe that's because you know what's interesting about the title is the expendables, but none of them yes, die. Maybe none of the guys the are actually expendable. Of, uh, the, the people who are expendable are the people they're murdering and the people they're fucking. <laughs> none of them. We cracked the code. So goddamn funny. <laughs> so then uh, Sylvester Stallone gets his little tattoo from Mickey Rourke um, here. And then like halfway through the tattoo, I dude know, gets a phone and the, call and was like, I got a job First of all, tattoo, so fastest Sylvester tattoo Stallone of all goes, time. He barely touched him and he finished like seven letters. And then he goes, he answers the phone and he's like, huh, hello, what's that? Cool. Hangs up. I have three jobs for you guys. <laughs> like, how did they tell you that so fast? <laughs> one of them, pretty e- Two of them, pretty easy. Third one, you have to go to hell and back. And they're like, okay, we'll take the third one. Duh. <laughs> give me the hardest one. Yeah, duh. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> Don't give me the easy stuff. That's how they were described, too, on the phone. Yeah? And he was just like, yeah. Two pretty easy, one <laughs> bring, to bring. back. All right. Thanks. Sounds good. Crazy. Yeah. So then we get to, we get the cool, one of the cooler scenes in the movie where Bruce Willis uh-huh. is this guy, Mr. 
who is breaking down the job for Sylvester Stallone and then Arnold Schwarzenegger walks in. How did you feel? I, okay, John, do you think that they all get their nicknames because of like where they meet or something? Like, because Bruce Willis is like, well, uh, you don't need to know my name, but seeing as the location, you can call me Mr. Church, right? <laughs> It was like the classic scene in like Family Guy where he's like, what's your name? And he's like, uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. P- Peter Gr- Griffin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like looking around. Exactly. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger what's when they met name? was Mr. like Church. hiding in a trench, Seems like crawling legit. around. He's like, oh, yeah, him. He's uh, a yeah. trench, no, ma- trench mouse. mouse. <laughs> and what's your name, man? Uh <laughs> Barney. Yeah. So, like, after we meet Bruce Willis, too, we get the awesome uh, introduction of Schwarzenegger, which I can't believe they named Trench Mouse. Do you think that that was because um, of their feud? Like, like Stallone, when he was writing the movie, was like, I can't give him a cool name. Fuck this guy. <laughs> I'm going to call him Mouse. I mean, he... <laughs> No one in the movie has a cool name, so uh, it's just like I don't know. I it think, make I any think sense. Lee Christmas is actually kind of cool, and I don't know why. Lee Christmas. Lee Christmas is kind of cool. Yeah, it's better than Barney Ross. Yeah, why did he give himself but the worst not, name? Oh no! Well, I mean, it's not. Well, at least it's not racist. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not yeah. the worst name. Yeah, can <laughs> you imagine if they aren't like uh, Terry Crews? What's Terry Crews's name again? Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, yeah. At least it's not like fucking Bob Marley or something. <laughs> so like, yeah, that's Afro Man. Or... <laughs> which, which Yin Yang is pretty close. Yeah, Yin Yang is not good. I couldn't believe that, man. I couldn't believe it. Also, it reminds they, me of, uh, like, did you ever watch Glow on Netflix? A little bit. It's the it's great. Show? It's yeah. It's so good. Yeah. But they kind they jokingly give um, the black woman the name Welfare Queen, which is hilarious. Like mm. at, at least the joke there is that like yeah, it has to be something racist. <laughs> but here they just unapologetically, he's yin yang. No irony here. If there is, it's going <laughs> right over our heads. Just like every bullet <laughs> that is ever shot at us in this movie. We are all yeah. got the power of convenience again, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah. They're battling stormtroopers. But yes. Yeah, anyway, so, so the Arnold's Arnold scene. Dude. Let's get it. Let me hear your thoughts. I, I love Schwarzenegger. We've probably talked about this on the podcast, but I love Schwarzenegger. And I was bummed that he was he was only in this movie for those scenes and i have to say i loved every line of dialogue in this scene between the two of them it was, it was great it me. was quippy it was one of the best uh-huh. uh he's like only a fool scenes. would take that and he's like how much and he's like see what i mean <laughs> i was like yes okay i'm into this they're like fucking with each other <laughs> and they're like what's his problem part of me he wants to be uh, president loved yeah, it i love that scene away. Part of me thinks that they didn't actually like Sylvester Stallone doesn't actually read the lines uh-huh. uh, through. Like the the first time he's reading them is when you're getting them on camera. 
because I can't imagine that he would agree to them either I, as the person that supposedly wrote. Yeah, especially because there's that there's that one line where he's like, we should get dinner sometime. And he's like, when? <laughs> like, oh, Stallone wants to get dinner with, with Schwarzenegger? He's like, when? He's like, a million years. <laughs> he's like, too soon. And I love that. See, I remember the I love that shit. Stallone is He's just like, like dang it. it. He got you again, silly. I really silly. would have loved to have like a plate of Alfredo with that guy. <laughs> a million years. Yeah. What a jerk. I thought he was really yeah. asking me to I dinner. I love Stallone, though, in this movie. He makes himself as like the nice guy, you know? Like, he, he he's the leader. He he's you. the ethical one. Uh, he's, he's the good guy. Yeah. Even though, again, they're just have no yeah, regard for human life. I mean, everybody like we said, we move further unless in, they're like, a pretty woman. We move further in the movie, and yeah, exactly. He's like, I don't care about anybody unless they're a pretty woman that mm-hmm. can't do anything about herself. Like, they never stop and think, like, yeah. what would you can't, you bring can't a person to become a pirate? You know, is it their complete and utter poverty that they have nothing else to turn to, or is it because they're evil? For the sake of the movie, we'll say it's because they're evil. <laughs> Definitely evil. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Stallone's reason uh, for this movie, I guess. I mean, when, it, when you really think about it, like, I guess this is where the plot of the movie was supposed yeah. to be set up, but I'm still not sure, even after watching it, what the plot of the movie was um, or, like, why they it's had to go. Try, it's kind of John Wickian in that, like, the movie wants to set up a simple enough plot that's enough to give us these characters just fucking annihilating people. You know, and it and it does do that. But and I guess like that's also why I'm willing to forgive it. Like the movie doesn't give a fuck about plot. It just wants to show you these action hero icons like together in one. It's like the Avengers. <laughs> They're the Avengers of the action movie franchises. And here they are hanging out. Uh, and, and for that reason, fuck, who cares what the plot is, even though it is incredibly problematic. And it suffers from that thing, John, where it's just like, oh, we're going to have to just create a third world, a fictional third world where this could happen, you know, and doesn't stop to think about the fact that, like, that's kind of problematic. <laughs> nah. So let's go. So they uh, they get their job and they head over to Valina. They meet the Conti, of course, a beautiful woman. And then. They sort of go through after meeting the contact. They think that she she's like setting them up. And then at the same time, the reason that they think they're there to stop this bad general, there's this guy behind the general. We meet this guy, Monroe, who I didn't really even know his name. I didn't know anyone's name until I looked them up on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Monroe's on his co- his cocoa farm, and he's mad that the general can't grow enough cocoa for his cocoa farm. And so we learned that he's kind of <laughs> the real bad guy. Um, it's so dumb. Out. He's making money off cocoa. Did you think it's cocaine or? Oh yeah, because they have they have massive things of cocaine, like in the background of some of these shots. Um, Did they? Like when they're setting oh. all the bomb? Yeah. Do you remember when, like, later in the movie when they're setting bombs in the castle for like five minutes? There's like thirty shots of each expendable, just like. I honestly thought just that it was setting all uh, these bombs. 
I honestly thought like it was cocoa, like, like chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my chocolate. He's like, where's my chocolate? <laughs> you said something uh, right before this about the guy that plays uh, Monroe. How many like yeah. credits he has? On- Dude, Eric Roberts has yeah. on IMDb almost 700 acting credits. I believe it. And in like 2020 alone, he is currently filming, according to IMDb, at least like 30, <laughs> 30 movies it's crazy do you think he just wears the same suit to everything he's in and just like he's in he's in this movie for maybe like a day and then he walks over to the next set for an hour then goes to the next one for an hour (laughs) and the next one's for an hour this man is truly a working actor like he probably does do that john like show up on set a day two days go to the next one a day two days like incredible Incredible, but he has a horrible suit in this movie. You think so? I mean, he's a bad guy. I mean, CIA, he's a government guy. He's trying to make the good, that good, good, you know? That good, Um, good. So we get that, like, uh, all these movies are just like government bad. Government bad. Bad. Government bad. Government, you know, like at this point, it's a joke that the US government is like funding. dictators in other countries <laughs> government bad what we need a bunch of mercenaries that kill people uh-huh. um so we get the the next big battle scene here where stallone and statham are surrounded by an army of people with guns trained trained army people and mm-hmm. they somehow make it out alive just by throwing knives which was wild awesome. and then they get on this little car chase they're driving through town and then they get in their a town that that, by the way, uh, Stallone is at the wheel in yeah. this town. He's never been in and he can navigate his way perfectly through these streets. And the people whose home it is, the bad guys that are trying to keep up with him are just crashing into shit. Like, again, doesn't make any sense. But because these are our protagonists, they're going to get away. And they're not expendable. <laughs> some of the some of the action was um, a little cheesy in this part for me too. I remember it, like even the the use of the camera angles. There was this one scene. I don't know if you remember before they get in the car and drive away. Stallone like jumps on his back. He you see him just like like a cat jump up in the air and then flip <laughs> on his back with the two guns. And so oh my it, god! At the same time, the camera guy did that. So like the camera guy clear is like jumping and then landing on his back so that it's upside mm-hmm. down. And then he like rolls over to shoot him. So then the camera rolls over to shoot him. I was like, yeah, what is happening? for some reason? Also, I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but there's no way we're going to make it through this whole movie at this pace. So I'm just going to keep going. Uh, yeah, we got to keep going. There's another scene in the end, in the end, the climax when he's fighting Stone Cold Steve Austin, where Stallone jumps at Stone yeah. Steve Austin and I watched it like seven times because it's a split second not even a second long of Stallone going like ah! yeah <laughs> like I laughed really hard yeah it was bad it's amazing it's it so bad. bad um but the movie but- likes to take those shots like just a weird quick shot to put in the middle like there's another shot in the beginning with Dolph Lundgren fighting Jet Li where 
for like it was clearly an artistic choice on Stallone's part, but he's like, I want the reflection of Dolph Lundgren and <laughs> Stallone <laughs> on the knife. And it is so shoehorned into the frame that you're just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and they do that all the time in these in these bizarre action scenes and and like meetups. You know, they they like to get very close at some points to their faces. There's a lot of that. Uh-huh. There's a lot of that, but it, and it's dizzy. But it's because the movie isn't necessarily about the choreography about the action scenes as it is about these familiar faces doing them it's like this is jason statham this is jet lee they don't even get to do like any of their cool stuff you know other Mm -hmm. than stallone i guess and there's that one scene with jet lee but so right after this the guys the boys get in the plane they're flying away easily get away but they decide it's time to fry and die. And they turn the plane around, dump lighter fluid on everyone, and then flare them before they <laughs> yeah. head out of town, which was an interesting choice by these guys with a moral code once again. So, yeah, the fry and, and die is... at the end of the movie, how like he doesn't want to blow the, the, the palace because she might still be in there. He doesn't think about the fact that she might still be on the dock at all when he blows the shit out of it well he doesn't care about her yeah that's um, right he hasn't had that moral yeah, yeah. That, that, uh... so this is sort of the end of act one the, the fry and die sequence how are you feeling you know you're a third way through the movie how's this movie oh, for you that part of the movie really uh elevated it for me i'm like okay this again this is what we're in for this is this is what i'm in for I've already accepted that I'm here to see these guys just take care of paper soldiers for an hour and a half. You know, I thought it, I thought the first little bit moved really slow, to be honest. Uh, There was a a little bit too much of them. I won't even say setting up the story because they didn't set up the story. They were just not like Talking. talking for no purpose. Like it wasn't moving anything forward. It just felt like they wanted to get some speaking lines in. And it didn't really work for me. So we get yeah. into like the middle part of the story, which moves pretty quick, honestly, of um, uh, Stallone essentially learning it's a government job. So he's out, but then he gets one of the best monologues. And I want to talk about this. One of the oh, best yeah. monologues by Mickey Rourke to convince Stallone. To no. go back. You uh-huh. got to go back and save this girl who cannot save herself because no <laughs> women can save themselves without no. us. Um, and then, and then they just sort of like, bang, get back into it. So let me, let me get this, uh, this monologue really quick. All right. You have it? You have it up? Oh, do I? Okay. I want you to think about this. No, I got it. I want you, I want you to be Sylvester Stallone. You've come to me, tool, your guy, your tattoo guy, you know, your agent of chaos. Who's like hooking you up with dangerous jobs, hell on earth jobs. And you, you're, you're at rock bottom right now. You, mm-hmm. you don't know what to do. You're quitting on a job because it's a government job. And I want to... No, I, wanna I don't it. know what to do. Uh, okay. It's just a weird one, Tool. I got you, man. Hey, well, here, let me hear you. Let me, hear me out here, okay? You remember that time... <laughs> God. You, <laughs> yeah, remember, you, that, you remember that time we was up in Bosnia? <laughs> Well, we took down 
No, no, no. Hear me out. We took down them Serb bad boys. All our guys were getting chopped up all around us and there was blood everywhere. I never thought I was going to make it out of there. And I know you didn't and, and you didn't either. Kind of feeling like dead too, you know? My head's all very black place. Didn't believe in shit. Just goddamn Dracula black. I remember I got this bottle, this local shit they have over there. You know, that, that sliver of it. I think that's what it's called. And I ain't feeling no pain now. And I come up on this, uh, I come up on this Overland Bridge and I see this, I see this, I see this woman standing there, you know? And she's, uh, I stepped back out and she saw me and she's just looking right, right, right in my eyes, man. And I was looking right in her eyes and I knew what she was going to do, man. She looked at me and I knew she was going to jump. You know what I did, ma'am? You know what I did? I just turned around and I kept walking until I heard that splash. She was gone. After, after taking all them lives, she was the one I could have saved, but I didn't. And, and what I realized later on was if I, had, if I had saved that woman, I might have saved what was left of my soul, you know? So I promised myself, I'm going to die for something that counts. I would like to, wow. thank you. I would like to all also preface that this was the same guy that said, he's not going to die for no woman. He wants to die laying next to a woman. Same yeah. guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just thought that's important content. So how do you feel after that, man? You ready to. Well, Mickey Rourke is a hell of an actor, huh? Yeah. He delivered that shit. He did it. Yeah. He, he really did. And uh, boy, it, it is just what our character needs to hear in that moment to get him to 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 get the team back together. Well, not even because he's like, I'm not asking you to come with me. You know, yeah. but he's like, I'm going back there and I'm going to go save Sandra. <laughs> and, and he does. like, nah, I'm not going with you. And then he's like, you know what? I'll get in the car. <laughs> yeah. No way. He, but I got oh, to. God. And they made yeah, Jelly this like greedy guy. Yeah. And also Jet Li keeps talking about a family and then he doesn't have a family. Yeah. And then he just wants more money. But then he's like, I'll die with you. His character makes no fucking sense. None and of he's them very do. concerned. Everybody seems to be super concerned about his height. Yeah. Hey, I mean, For some it's, reason. it's an easy joke, I guess. Um, yeah. So then we get to the Jet Li gunner fight scene, as you mentioned, right after we see the look of both of their faces and the knife. Gunner yeah. is about to stomp Jet Li down on some poles. Bang, bang, shot up by Barney. That's the <laughs> yeah. death of Gunner. And his, like, uh, yeah, that was crazy. But And whatever. then Gunner just spills all the secrets to uh, how to get Sandra back. I don't know. He says something, but we don't know what it is. He, what like, do you think he, he was saying? He whispers something. I don't know. Because, okay, I had a problem with this scene because he goes, Who sent you? Who sent you? Right. And then he goes, is the girl OK? Before Gunner answers any of his questions. So I was like, wait a minute. How do you know this is related? So, you know, who sent him? So why do you keep asking? That was I was like, OK, that doesn't really track. But yeah, you're thinking whatever. too much into it. You're, yeah, you're thinking it too much matter. into it, man. All right. So then <laughs> we get in the end here, which is just a chef's kiss. You know, this yeah. storming the beaches of Normandy slash Bellina. And uh, taking them all out. 
What was again, interesting? So this is where the 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 conservation of ninjutsu falls in again. Amen. They're taking on a small army, and there are, in their words, quote, four and a half men doing it. <laughs> four and a half. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. The, so there were some cool parts in this, though. Um, again, some parts that are wonky, like they put. They spent a lot of time putting up those uh the the bombs in there. It just kept cutting from Lundgren. I mean, not Lundgren. From Stallone to yeah. Cruz to Jet Li to uh, Statham, back to Cruz, back to uh, Randy Couture. You know who, by the way, gets a weird monologue in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. It's just I guess they all have to have their little time to say something, except Terry it, Crews. It's like a play. Well, no, Terry Crews got his his little monologue in there, but it's like a play. You know, everyone has to get their musical number in, like a little bit of a solo. Terry Crews's um thing was about you know his gun, Bing Bang or whatever, Bang yeah, Bang, Bing Bang Kaboom or like yeah, something. That sh- that'll make you turn to red jello. Yeah, that was yeah. that was his little monologue. <laughs> that's that's as deep as his character goes. Um, oh, yeah, but so so yeah. So then the crew they they break in to the small island of eight nation, completely annihilate their army. Um, we do get this cool scene. This is my favorite scene in the movie where Jet Li and Jason Statham are fighting the guy, the the guy with the holsters and the blue and the blue shirt. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the best fight in the movie. And then they Personally. back, they like, so they're fighting this guy and then they pin him, you know, uh, towards like a wall, whatever. He can't really do much anymore. His back's against the wall. And then they double team him in a way that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, that they double he gets, him. Who was it? It was Jet Li, right? Like, uh, like kicks downward and breaks his neck no i think jace they give it to jason, jason Statham Statham. because okay. they don't let ha- they don't let J- jet lee have any wins in this movie no he doesn't You're win right. at all he's fighting that guy and then he starts getting his ass kicked, and then statham gets involved and then later on um even randy couture or terry cruz or something saves him like jet lee gets saved at least four or five times in this movie and i'm like he's- why can't they let him have it is it because he's a small guy Fuck this movie. <laughs> short Kings were not loved in this movie. Yeah, Short Kings are clearly not loved yet. It's before as a, the era of the Short King. As a Short King, what, what would you like to say to this movie? To Sylvester I like, Stallone? I just did. I said, fuck you. <laughs> short Kings are cool too. Bullshit. Jet Li's the man. So they kill everyone. And I love the, you know, the final kill on uh, Monroe. And Monroe hits him with the you know, we're not that different, you and I. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he green goblins him. Yeah. <laughs> we're not that different. It's like, no, we, we definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely are very, they both yeah. kill mercilessly. Very different. And they just draw the line in different places. Yeah. Monroe's like, yeah, I'm willing to waterboard a totally innocent woman just to get my chocolate production back in line. But (laughs) that was a crazy. Do you uh, like at that time, like waterboarding in movies was was like a thing. Like it happened all the time. It was like during the Iraq War. Terrifying to watch. Yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> Back then, like waterboarding, waterboarding had been a national scandal, like a few years before, probably that like the U.S. is waterboarding its prisoners. <laughs> But, so let's put it on the movie screen. Dude, you know what would be crazy is if we waterboarded this fucking lady. Yeah, dude. <laughs> All of these people came here to watch a movie and have fun, but what if we absolutely traumatized them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's drown a lady let's on screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what did she do to deserve it? it? I don't know. She's I don't know. doesn't matter, and... but let's do it. Yeah, yeah, what that's kind of what this movie it. I'll tell you what she did. She spoke her mind. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking dumb bra. They, oh god, it's so stupid. They, it, it's crazy how far we've come. And even then, like, <laughs> we haven't really come too far. No. <laughs> this is a time <laughs> where movies were like damsel in distress. You know, big beefy, big beefy bros. <laughs> Ten years ago, twelve years ago, that's all it was, folks. Mm-hmm. That's all it was, you yeah. know. It's a tough life. Anyway, we've got so uh, what? Then, what you, you know, it it continues the theme, John, of, yeah. of the boys, because the boys they make it out of there alive. No, no expendable lives here. None. Right? None. We're back in the tattoo parlor, baby. And you know what? Let's put that kiss needle drop in now because the boys are back in town. Boom. <laughs> this is like. Baby, I, just I, got back tonight. <laughs> Man and Boone in Little Billy. It's all good fun, baby. The boys <laughs> are back in town. Yeah, we murdered a lot of people. Yeah, Gunner shot one of them in half. Yeah, Terry Crews turned a lot of them into red jello, but it don't matter because the boys are back in town. And Jason, they say them like premises the needle drop too by doing this insane poem. He might as well have just been like, roses are red, violets are blue, toilets are blue, tool sucks. And so do you. <laughs> like, Boom. The, the boys are back in town. Boys are back in town. <laughs> is it? Because I, I also feel like this is a summer blockbuster. This is a staple of the summer blockbuster. If you had to give us oh yeah, the three staples of summer blockbusters, one of them has to be needle drop um, of some like sure. super obscure, doesn't really match the nah. vibe of the movie. But like vibe song. Yeah, it has to be like just a rock song. Like yeah, it could be a classic be rock, song. rock song, but it, it yeah. requires a guitar rift and like yeah. masculine energy. Oh, well, for sure. Because remember in yeah. Transformers, we got the Linkin Park exactly. uh, needle drop at the end, exactly. which really like didn't match the vibe of the movie at all. But I, you know, like we got it and it got you amped. Yeah. I think that's the but other thing. It has to get you like amped for what's happening. It reminds me of like that John Claude Van Damme movie where he's like a twin. Fuck, what is it called? I think it might twins. be called Twins. <laughs> no, it's called a uh, Double Impact. But okay. it literally ends. And oh god, I hope to God we can talk about this movie one day. But it ends with him like throwing one of these. He's like he's bloody and shit, and he gives the camera a thumbs up like that. <laughs> And it freeze frames on him. It like stops like that. And then the needle drop comes in. <laughs> I hope I'm not misremembering it, but like <laughs> freeze frame, needle drop, roll credits, baby. And this movie is an homage to 
those movies, like those just funny 80s, early 90s action movies that were just, you know, just a, a bro-a-thon. <laughs> Hardcore bro-a-thon. Hardcore. All right, so the movie's over. What did, what did you think? Final thoughts. Um, final thoughts is like, I thought this movie was better before I watched it again. You know what I mean? You had me like, there. I, I, I misremembered it. I, I remembered it being awesome. And i watching it now. I was just like, it's kind of bland. It's a little vapid. It, it tries to be an homage to all that stuff in the past, but like the film, like the, the cinematography isn't there. Yeah, there's big explosions, there's big muscles, but like it, it feels empty. <laughs> it still feels empty, you know? So overall, it, it was fine. Um, but I'll tell you what, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. I am 100% going to watch the sequel this week. <laughs> I'm going to fall into it because I hear John Claude Van Damme is in that one. And, and Chuck Norris. And Chuck Norris. And I think Harrison Ford is in like Expendable yeah. 4. Yeah. So like that still draws me into it and that is the whole point of the movie that's the point it's of like the movie. these are recognizable names you're gonna watch it just because these people are in it and i am i'm definitely we, going to yeah i guess to wrap up I, we didn't talk about it in the beginning but like this movie they spent 80 dollars 80 million dollars um 80 dollars to me it feels like <laughs> it. they yeah. spent 80 million dollars uh to make this movie and globally it made over 200 million i want to say almost like 230 million dollars so like yeah they know exactly what they're doing yeah. 79 million dollars of this movie goes to the actors the other one million is for the oil budget and they are just drawing <laughs> they are drawing you know 50 year old and up just like men 30 yeah. and up men to just spend two hours bro it out oh for sure they're like did you guys think that you were out of your prime think again baby together we can make another blockbuster (laughs) get you get the boys in town get them Mm -hmm. back in town and go watch this movie that's what that's what this was about um so like what what are the what do you think the critics had to say here john i don't think we're gonna be very surprised (laughs) I don't think we're going to be very surprised. I would say like my other closing uh, uh, thought other than this being a way to get a lot of money really fast was maybe my taste, as I mentioned before, and my initial thoughts was like the last time I'd seen this as a teenager before now, you know, maybe, maybe I've grown a little uh, since a young teenager, uh, mentally, emotionally, maybe a little bit intellectually, and maybe Maybe I got lucky and maybe the people that made this movie just never grew up, nor yeah. did the people that love this movie. Anyway, let's get into the critics. Well, uh, there's I, I have a quick look. There's something to that, though, you know, like maybe those people just, you know, want to cling on to something from their childhood like we do. You know, there is a nostalgia in these kinds of movies. And I, that's where I find that they you know, are, I would, I struggle to say the word valuable, but maybe they mean something to some people, you know? Uh, and, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. If you're cool with a little racism, also art. Oh, racism, a little misogyny, 
you know true xenophobia you know (laughs) you're cool with it it's fine yeah you know just turn a blind eye if you're one of the people that's america of yesterday you know the america of misogyny xenophobia nationalism yeah then uh look no further maybe these movies are for you do you want to turn a blind eye and comply check this movie out um yeah so critic score at least it's critical of the u.s government though at least it's got that going even back then it wasn't lost on us that uh imperialist forces maybe not totally cool yeah Uh, but although it's a very vapid uh criticism considering that stallone is still running into third world countries and annihilating them but yeah i was gonna say that's sort of his mo um yeah but he's like government no 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 don't get me involved with them 42 percent critic score 64 (laughs) percent audience score um let's jump into the critics the first one here uh from variety take the castaway and there's not much more here than the straight-to-DVD schlock that has kept conspicuously absent rivals Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme busy of late. Yeah. Interesting one. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that at all, considering that's exactly what it is. It's just the cast. The cast is the drive here. This is Sharknado, mm-hmm. if it doesn't have the cast. Um, yeah. This next one here by IGN. It's a bitter pill to swallow. But it's a dark day indeed when a film can bring together so many promising elements and when the curtains close, leave you wondering exactly what the heck you just sat through and if you even enjoyed it at all. One and a half out of five. Yeah. Did you enjoy it, though, overall, John? Um, I think overall, no, I didn't because I just (laughs) didn't see the point. I, like, didn't get it. Yeah. Um, And like I said before, like, the yeah it had the names but they didn't do anything they weren't yeah, like fighting each other they the act every every action sequence the way it was filmed like you couldn't even see any of the action that happened it totally just i don't know it just felt empty and a waste of my time absolutely and i mean like yeah it's it's so many promising elements in in those actors right but the story isn't enough to have us give a fuck about it and um, the characters that the actors are playing also aren't developed enough for us to care about them. You know, like the main character, Stallone, his saves the cat moment in the very beginning is that he stops Dolph Lundgren from murdering, from hanging a guy. It's not exactly the most heroic thing when 30 seconds right before it, he was just blasting other people, you know? In half. So in half. He- he gave so, no regard to their life so much so that he decided to have a bullet versus knife contest. Yeah. It's not like John Wick where like John Wick is murdering all of these people for a re- reason that we can all get behind, which is they murdered a dog <laughs> and that's atrocious. Right. So like nobody's going to be on the other side of him, of that issue uh, because dogs are very easy to be sympathetic towards, to be empathetic towards, especially in film. You know, like when a dog dies in a movie, I'll cry. But you you watch people die all the time and you're like, yeah, whatever, which is probably a problem in and of itself. But anyways, let's get to the next review. So I'm going to this last one here by the Associated Press. Um, it's willfully out of date, like an aging hairband that can't pack away the spandex. Which is ironic because it ends with the song 
of an aging hair band that can't yes. pack away the spandex kiss. and ironic because you know this review was from the year the movie was released in 2010 <laughs> and yeah. they made three more uh-huh it was which out is, of date then yeah yeah but Let's you know it's, it's uh that's the point again the point is to be big dumb you know showcase the machismo beefy brawny yeah it's it's the movies like remember the remember these guys remember wet oily uh-huh. all of the things that men should be oh yeah in control powerful <laughs> saving women uh-huh calling saving them sweet women. cheeks even jason statham saved his woman like in he the did. worst way he yeah. did. He he beat the hell out of some guy for beating the hell out of her. Definitely some red flags in a violent man. And they were both violent men. So. Yeah. Hey, let's get All into right, let's the, get the uh, audience. audience review here. Uh, 64% audience, which is not great, but, um, you know, certainly better than 42%. Uh, this first person here, you know, uh, let's be fair. I've been saying a lot of things like misogynistic and, you know, them treating women badly and you know so let's this first review i think provides a, a good perspective <clears throat> mm-hmm. first i am a female okay now that that's out of the way i would like to say i freaking love this movie <laughs> boom and you know what's great about online reviews uh from people is you totally know that they're being honest. So uh-huh. I totally buy that this person is a female and that they love it. Freaking love this movie. I'd love so to take hear that more, critics. You know? Take that. Mm-hmm. You guys don't know anything. Five stars. She's like, fuck you guys yeah. calling this movie misogynistic. Yeah. Here's another five star review right here. Wow. This movie was intense. I had been waiting for this film for quite some time. It is one of the greatest action films that I had ever seen. What I loved was the combination of bullets blades and fighting (laughs) there is a lot of each in this movie i will admit the script and dialogue could be better but does that really matter in this mickey rourke's meaningful monologue pretty much summed up what all of what they are feeling so that adds some depth they have become killing robots that don't realize that they are taking lives rather than trying to save them everyone brings their own part of the movie Everyone brings their own part to the movie, and I'm happy to see Stallone sharing spotlight with many of the stars, most notably Statham. The ending is just as intense, if not more, than the last Rambo installment. If you're an action fan or fans of these actors, you'll love this. If not, then don't badmouth this movie. Five stars. Wow. Love that, dude. I love that he gave us they a little summary of uh, Mickey Rourke's monologue. I honestly should have just read that. Um, honestly, they're not wrong, though. Like, the movie's emotional depth hinges entirely on that monologue, which just goes to show you how deep the movie is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do love, I, I completely forgot when I was, when the, you know, while you were reading that, that um, Jason Statham does have knives, but they're like specifically kunai's. Yeah, you know, like those Japanese knives, which is a wild choice, <laughs> but I'm I'm here for it. Whatever, man. Uh, this next one, three stars because Stallone needs to just act. Said everyone. I wish that yeah. guy would just act more. You know, it's hard to act though when your face is made of stone. 
stoned. His face is made of rubber now. It is completely yeah. plastic. His face looks like Carl Havocs. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. All right, this next one. Uh, I wanted to provide maybe a different perspective. You know, this one's a two-star review. It's somewhat enjoyable if you're able to get past all the nonsense dialogue, non-story, fake and bad, gratuitous core, boring fight scenes, and criminal underuse of what could have been a solid and fun action romp. An expendable experience. Pardon the Wait, I don't think she knows. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, do they know what expendable means? It is an expendable experience. We could have lived. I could have gone my whole life without watching this, but you know what? I'm glad I did. You're better off for it, too, aren't you? And then this last one here, four and a half stars. Amazing movie. One of the best action films I've ever seen. I don't care about the storyline. I just care about the guns. Boom. That's the point. That's the whole point of the movie. Should... Uh, so we've listened, we've heard from the critics and the audience, you know, very, very separated. And, and this is usually when we head into our real rank, our real ranking, our real rating. Let's get here. into the real ranking. Let's get into it. All right. So as I was mentioning, now that we're in our real rating, I was wondering, sort of hearing some of the the audience reviews, should we be rating our big blockbuster, our hot blockbuster summer of action movies on a different scale than normal movies? Do Do they deserve to be looked at differently? Because I feel like action movies by default are usually really bad movies that, that <laughs> you know, you're like the last person said, you know, I don't care a bit the storyline. I just care a bit the guns and like, should, yeah. you know, like that's what people go to an action movie for, right? Is like the explosions, the cool action sequences, less about the story. Should we be looking at this differently? Like, so do you think that people go into an action movie with a bit of a curve? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so. I, I, I agree. Like people are, I, at least speaking for myself here, I'm more forgiving of an action movie having its flaws because uh, I'm not here to, you know, have a social political drama, <laughs> you know, as well as an action movie. Um, it's like, and please don't take this the wrong way if you love comic books, but it's like reading a comic book, you know, like I'm not reading a comic book, um, like a superhero comic book specifically for commentary. You know, I'm reading it because it's, again, I feel bad using this term, like lowbrow, you know, media. And I like lowbrow media. Um, But, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's lowbrow versus highbrow. And I think, do you grade it on a curve because you're accepting that the quality isn't going to be all the way up there? I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to make the call to be like, okay, any of the action movies that we see automatically get a plus 30, you know, on the real rating scale, you know, how do you feel? Well, it just goes back into the whole conundrum and why we, we, we started uh, this idea in the first place of like, well, what do, what do you actually like critique a movie on anyway? If it's preference, 
like if you're someone that enjoys action movies like that that is sort of something that you're about then you're going to look at a drama completely different than you would an action movie because going into it you've already you you sort of unbiased that you are going to like this movie more than the other one so I think that a lot of people who go to action movies in the theater already are going to them because they like them. So I think that helps already. Um, but I do you, know, you think I John, that um, this also applies to the new Top Gun movie? I think that that movie was different because it was such a fun ride, pun intended, <laughs> like throughout the whole thing. And yeah. like, anyone who went to see that movie had fun. Like you didn't have to see the first Top Gun to go into that movie and have a blast. That movie yeah. just like, it knew what it was. It was, but that movie, I can see, uh, and I can argue that there are similarities between that movie and the expendables, you know, it's like banking also on nostalgia. Like you remember, uh, you remember this movie, you remember these people. Right. And it's also banking on big buff, brawny bros. Uh, which was also in the previous movie. And it is kind of an homage to the 80s action movies, you know, like Top Gun. It has needle drops as well, but it does feel, you know, like it's better quality. The story is there and you feel, you know, there's a point in Top Gun where you are actually worried about Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> and that part, that does not exist in The Expendables. No. These guys have the heaviest plot armor ever. Um, and so that's why I don't think that we should grade these on a curve because we have, you know, that end of the spectrum that is much a much more quality, quote unquote, film. Yeah, because they've done the they've done the work, like you said, developing yeah. the characters. There was a plot in the movie like they had to do something this movie they uh -huh. didn't have to do anything there wasn't anything forcing them to take that contract they weren't broke they weren't at like <laughs> some kind of fork in the road to like make things happen yeah. this wasn't like someone's retirement gig like one last <laughs> ride Cruise, like Tom none Cruise of the top gun thinking like i need to save the movie industry <laughs> yeah <laughs> He's like the past few years, like I have to bring people back to the movies. And he did. He did. <laughs> and he so did. He did. It. I agree with you that it doesn't make sense to like curve your grading depending on what you're watching. Um, Cause that's going to happen naturally. Right. Like people have different tastes, which is why being a critic of anything is silly to me. Uh, if, if you take yourself seriously as a critic, I think that's yeah. silly because you by default are going to have a different taste than anyone, even if you're grading it on the like construct and fundamental levels, yeah. the way you perceive yeah. them is going to be different than anyone else. So I give this movie a 60. 60 out of a hundred. Oh yeah. Yeah. 60 out of a hundred. I think 40, 42 is way too low. Um, and I think I 60 is right. I, I, I also give, I'll give this, I'm right there with you, John. I'll give this movie a 60. Wow. This is the first I time we've agreed. And like, like right on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's not a great movie. It is a fun movie. Um, I understand, you know, what they're, what, why you'd go to this movie, what you want to take out of this movie. Um, but it's not perfect, obviously. Uh, and it, it, it left me wanting more, you know, at the end of the day, 
with this cast, this could have been fucking awesome. Um, but unfortunately, it felt very, you know, I'll repeat myself, felt very vapid. So, um, yeah, could have been better. Could have been better. <laughs> this I don't think this is even worthy of dropping boys are back in town at the end of the podcast like we did with Transformers because it ended and I was just kind of like, yeah, there it goes. But uh, I will watch Expendables 2. I, I will watch it. I want to see Jean-Claude Van Damme. And, you know, wh- who's going to join me on this journey, John? Are you going to join me on watching this? I mean, we don't necessarily have to do it for the pod. I know. It's well, not over what I was going to say is if you want to hear Jose's thoughts as he continues down the Expendables rabbit hole, make sure you follow us wherever you get your social media at EARC pod, but especially... Yes follow Jose at Hoser loser and myself at John B Wolf. Um, and before we break a lot today, of my thoughts of movies and whatever I'm watching on there pretty immediately. Yeah. So. And it's a good follow. You should definitely do it and uh, make sure you rate, follow um, our podcast, the five stars matter. So uh, I can afford a chair that doesn't uh, squeak as loud. Um, we would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Or a podcast platform that doesn't shit out on us halfway through. Uh, yeah. We're working on it. So, you know, thanks again to all of you that listen and reach out to us. I always appreciate getting messages that uh, you guys are listening to the podcast and uh, what you think. Um, Yeah. Jose Garcia Chow here, as always, with John Wolf. Today, uh, we kind of did we side with the audience? I guess closer to the the audience. audience. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Today, we sided with the audience. It doesn't feel like it. No, it doesn't. I kind of feel like. We should be critical of this one, but remember, at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter <laughs> because everyone's, everyone's a real a critic. Real critic. <laughs> the boys right. are back in town. Boys, boys are back in town. Should I have said like a little poem at the end there, John? <laughs> to, Probably to bring us down. Yeah. Probably. Next time. <laughs>